0: (laughs) Welcome to episode number 12 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, September 7th, 2016. I had just had my birthday 5 days prior and I talk about that in the beginning here. Well, I'm a year older, just had my birthday that a few birthday. days ago. Thank I'm you. I'm the
1: same age as you are,
0: so, yeah. Yeah, we're we're quickly advancing in our age towards towards middle age. So, I better get something done like big before I'm 30. That's like my big thing is like I want to get something, <laughs> some kind of success, some kind of tangible success before I'm 30. No, I might Am I twenty eight? I think I am. Oh my God, Mike! <laughs> you have to think about it. I'm just joking, really. <laughs> You're so busy watching movies that you you don't even know your own age. You've you've lost uh, everything that's important in life, Mike.
1: No, no, no! I know, I, I know, I know,
0: so. So yeah, we were going to do the podcast last night, but Mike lost his debit card, but he found it, thankfully, and... Yeah,
1: it was not, it did not remain an unsolved mystery for very long. Yeah, so, yeah
0: and so now a, for safekeeping, he's going to give us all the number to his debit card, so we'll all have <laughs> it in case he loses it again.
1: Absolutely not. No <laughs> way. I love you guys, but not that much.
0: Well, fuck. All right, well, uh... Before we go any further, I do want to point out that we do have a Facebook page, a fan page. It is starting to get some activity, so that's cool. We like hearing from everybody. It's Facebook.com slash Uncovering Unsolved Mysteries. You can go over there and uh, check out that page. We post stuff on there a lot, uh, like when we're going to be recording the episodes. Uh, We post little tidbits here and there. I think Mike's better at doing that. Uh, He'll post tidbits of things that you might find interesting and... um, People comment on there, and they've been really nice I tried, so
1: uh, I just started this new thing where I give uh, uh, people who uh, follow our page there, I give them little hints on what we might be talking about for the next episode. So It's a good idea to yeah. uh, uh, like the page because you know we're dropping hints out there for you.
0: Yeah, if you're a fanatic you can't get enough of the podcast. Uh I I don't think that there's people out there that are fanatics. No, there's yet.
1: some people like that on my YouTube channel. I mean, yeah, there's some people that are really really into the podcast.
0: That's great. So. Yep, just goes to show you how much uh, business acumen that I have cuz when Mike first contacted me about doing the podcast, I was like, that sounds like a stupid idea. I was like, no one's going to listen to that. And goes to show you how much I know about what's going to be popular on the internet and what's not. Probably why my channel barely has 300 subscribers, which I'm about to hit the 300 milestone, Mark. Good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, better watch out, Mike. I'm coming up <laughs> right behind you. <laughs> I laugh because it's so not true.
1: Yeah, Speak- I'm, I'm, I'm almost to 10,000, and that'll be huge for me. That's awesome. That would, be, that would just be... I never would have ever expected in a million years that I get to that mark. Um, yeah, I've been on here for seven years, but you know, it, it's, it's slowly, but surely and you know, whatever little bit of success I get is fine with me because it's something I do for fun. And, you know, and, and if there are people, just if, if there's just a small handful of people that like what I do, that's more than enough for me.
0: That's how I feel too about myself, um, and we'll get, I guess we'll go ahead and get the YouTube stuff out of the way too at the beginning here. Mike's uh, YouTube channel is uh, youtube.com slash OCP Communications. And mine, you'll just have to look up in the link below or in the podcast, or whatever, because I am not big enough to have my own special link at the end of my URL. Uh, so you're just going to have to search for mine. It'll be in.
1: I think in- the only way that I did it was like I, I was when I was connected to Google Plus. So I don't know. Yeah, but
0: you. It, I. Th- th- you might've gotten grandfathered in. I mean, you have enough subscribers to where you can have your own, uh, link now anyway. Cause
1: oh, I didn't know that was a big, that was a thing on YouTube. Where yeah. You have to have a of subscribers before you can get a da 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 thing. I mean, it anyway. kind of
0: makes sense because you know, it's like someone out there could just make like a dead account and like have like, you know, some real popular common name that someone who actually has intentions of building. Well, they
1: it kind with. of do that anyway, but you know, they don't last very long.
0: <laughs> well, that's good that they're they got some process of elimination there. But yeah, like when YouTube first started, you could have your own channel name, whatever. We're boring people with this bullshit. Uh, the first thing that we're going to be talking about is a case that uh, Mike picked. It's uh Tammy Lynn Leppert. And um, at first I was like, huh, you know, I don't know about this case. But then when I rewatched it today, I was like, yeah, this actually is a really great segment.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was. Uh, I was just replying to speaking to YouTube. I was just replying to a comment somebody was asking me about our show and saying, "Are you ever going to talk about cases that aren't on the DVD sets?
0: Oh wow, like
1: Keith Reinhardt, Hugh Harlan, Lisa Bishop, and the Freedom, which is kind of ironic because I actually did circle that one for a potential
0: yeah a uh, segment. I remember. So that.
1: maybe you know maybe the Freedom someday. Dennis Depew, and I th- isn't that the one that's inspired by? jeepers creepers like jeepers creepers inspired by that one
0: not sure if that
1: is i don't know if that's the one i'm thinking of where it's like the guy the guy was in the van and then this couple drove by and they saw the bloody sheet
0: oh okay yeah i know now i know which one you're talking about
1: if that's it then if that's not on the set then yeah definitely. no it's not uh that i might that might be one we will talk about next week so look forward to that um but anyway Tamlin Leopard was one that i remember because I saw it at a young age and it all like just came right back to me while I was watching the segment. I was like, yeah, I remember this. And uh, it's still unsolved. Uh, No body has been found. It's one of those really just mysterious cases how this 18-year-old model slash actress just completely disappeared from the face of the earth about, you know, 33 years ago.
0: Yeah, it's and, and you know, I, I hate to say it, but it, it's it's the sad truth that uh, society cares more when an attractive person goes missing, um, and she yeah. was, was this model and actress and all this stuff, so uh, there was probably a lot more interest at the time with her than there would be for other people, and it, it's kind of shitty that society works that way, but I mean, that's how the news is, if, if it's some beautiful young woman that goes missing Uh, the whole community is up in arms about it but if it's just some middle-aged dude you know it's like ah well he'll turn up i'm sure
1: yeah you know it, it is what it is
0: but uh anyway um tammy lynn uh had been modeling like for pretty much her whole life um this this segment picks up when she was 16 um when everything first starts in 1982, um, the Miss America Sunshine and Beauty Pageant in Orlando, Florida, um, she it picks up with her winning that. Um, now, she had already competed in 300 beauty contests, and she had won the crown 200 times, um, which, which, I mean. Is pretty impressive. That's crazy. That's fucking yeah. nuts. Um, and any of you guys who's listening to this podcast, yes, she is very attractive. Um, so it's, you know.
1: She, she was an uncom- an uncommonly beautiful child.
0: Yeah, then that's the words that they used in the show. She was an uncommonly beautiful yeah. child. She was. She was beautiful. She was. She was really. She was really attractive. But you know, I'm more interested in the content of her character, Mike. L- looks are well, only yeah, go skin deep
1: too. But you know, hey, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie and say you know looks don't matter at all. Right. I, right. They do in some aspects. Uh, it's. But really, I, I look for the character and personality. You know, so, I'm, when I'm, I'm looking for a relationship it's I want somebody who I can hang out with and whatever and I'm not just it's not just for attraction
0: and know? I reckon that the girl that you date you'd have to be able to talk movies with them yes that would be a
1: big big deal yeah <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> especially if y'all have the same uh, the movie girl that taste. you
1: date you have to talk on soul mysteries right?
0: <laughs> uh yeah it, well it helps uh music is a big thing for me like anybody that i'm with like if they're into music or they play music yeah. like that's that's really big um cool. if they were i don't know if they're into making youtube videos that would be pretty cool because just any kind of i guess common interests i have those are my two big ones
1: you gotta have a common interest cause yeah it's not, it's not called a sex chip it's called a relationship
0: Ooh, very nice very poignant words by michael um oh i forgot you hate when people call you that uh so tammy lynn's mother and father divorced when she was only seven uh her mom was a modeling agent and her mom enjoyed it um in my notes here i have possibly a stage mom a momager i don't know we don't we don't know it doesn't say in the segment but typically these moms are kind of living vicariously through their kids and um like honey boo boo's parents yes good lord what a night (laughs) what a nightmare that was but you know it's like sweet justice whenever you find out that like you know the 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 husband or whatever something nefarious is going on in the family and they cancel their show it's like good they shouldn't reward that kind of stupidity and that dumbing down of our american culture more more than it already is dumbed down by the shit that's on tv i agree look at me on my soapbox this week jesus (laughs) god um Wing Flanagan, one of the clients of the mother, was also living at the house with the family, which I thought was weird. A his name. Oh is-
1: yeah, I thought it was her brother or step, you know, or adopted brother or something. Yeah, I, it's uh, yeah no, it was,
0: it, and like he was around the same age as the girl, so it's like it, it looked a bit, it appeared to be the brother. She, he might have been a year or two younger, but uh, yeah, he was he was one of the clients of the mom. And again, the episode does not like go. He's in- kind
1: of a nerdy kid, so I'm like, what client for what?
0: I mean, yeah, I could, but I could see how ma- he had, he had kind of symmetrical features. So I, I guess I could yeah. see how maybe he yeah. uh, would be a uh, model material. Cause that's kind of what they look for in models as like yeah. super symmetrical facial features and whatnot. Um, that's why nobody's ever knocked on my door, but anyway, it's a different story. Um, so, um, he was living with the family and, uh, in July of, uh, 1982, Tammy was cast in the teen exploitation film spring break. I already thought I thought Spring Break was a movie that came out in, like, 2015. Apparently it came oh, out. was called
1: Spring Breakers. It was uh, earlier, before yeah. 2015.
0: Oh, okay. But, yeah. Okay.
1: Um, Spring Break, though, yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it before. It's a teen, yeah, a teen comedy. It's not an exploitation film. It's a teen
0: comedy. That's what they said <laughs> in the show. <laughs> they called it a teen exploitation I, I, film.
1: I mean, that, that's an exploitation film. Is It's stuff like they call her One Eye or, you know those movies are, uh, exploitation movies or exploitation movies or yeah, I, I wouldn't call that an exploitation film, but that's just me personally. Um, but yeah, I, I guess you could say it is cause it's like a cheesecake movie, you know, cause oh, oh, we got all the hot chicks and tits and ass and whatever. And there's not much plot. It's just
0: sounds like an exploitation film to me. <laughs> However, uh, Tammy went, um, unchaperoned so she goes and does this movie and then she went unchaperoned to a weekend party and this is where the whole story turns because everything's sounding like she's your typical like you know super privileged you know white chick apparently yeah. uh, up until uh she goes to this party and she came back a different person is what they say in the segment uh wing uh, her i don't want to say brother but this kid who was living with her also he asked What's he would always ask her like, "What's on your mind?" You know, because she looked, you know, vacant in her her face. You know, yeah. he'd be like, "What's on your mind?" And she'd always evade the question. She'd always change the subject. And soon. Speaking her-
1: of wing, yeah. Speaking of wing, I, I I remember this part. You know, where it's like, he talks about how it's like a status symbol, to have you know Tammy, you know, kiss him on the cheek. Like at first he yeah. was like, "Ew, I can't get this off." You know, it 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 won't come off. Or lipstick, or whatever. But then he was he learned to wear it proudly Mm -hmm. because you know it was Tammy,
0: right. And if you saw her, then you might wear it proudly too. Um, (laughs) Maybe not now, but back then. Um, Soon, Tammy's behavior started to take on paranoia, paranoid overtones. Uh, The phone would ring, and she'd tell Wing to answer it, and she'd say, you know, Hey, Tom, I'm not home. Tom, I'm not here. And in the reenactment, like. Her mom, like, walked up while this phone was ringing or whatever, and she was telling Wing not to answer it or, or to tell him that, that she's not there, whoever was on the other side of the phone. And all Tammy said was, I saw something awful, that she mm-hmm. and she refused to talk about it.
1: The reenactment was really well done. That's another thing that stood out with, uh, to me with this particular segment. Uh, I thought the performance by the actress who played Tammy was actually really good.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. And,
1: um... I I don't, I don't know if she went on to do anything else, but, uh, she definitely
0: had talent. That's for sure. Yeah. So then she goes, mom, what if I told you, what would you say if I told you that someone was trying to kill me? And then her mom was like, what, what are you talking about? And then like, she wouldn't say anything more about it. And, um, she would just never talk about it you know she just said kind of these like really like cryptic ass things and then she just wouldn't elaborate which would have to be just just ultimately and annoying as hell as a parent it'd be infuriating yeah like what are you talking about dude like elaborate like what do you mean you know someone's trying to kill you like kids don't just say shit like that
1: yeah and that's why they would think it's just a delusion
0: right so speaking of delusions tammy began a steady retreat into isolation and the family had a hard time telling which of these kind of threats that she was experiencing were real and which were paranoid delusions um and, and i mean i hate i hate to bring this up again but i mean you know the common two themes and unsolved mysteries when it comes to anything that's not paranormal is amnesia and schizophrenia i mean Mm-hmm. these come up every single time it's it's either some form of amnesia some form of schizophrenia that's the only underlying theme of a yeah. lot of these missing persons cases um
1: well i mean she was she was definitely panicked she was definitely freaked out uh she was afraid for her life uh it, it, you could say that maybe this this fear led to more de- delusions but um like the one you know, where she's looking out tells her, you know, wing to come look at the window. It's like, what? See the neighbors. They got a new van. It's got mirror, you know, mirrored windows. They can see us, but we can't see them.
0: (laughs) Right. And And of
1: course, of course, you'd be like, what? What does that even mean? Like, why? Why is that a big deal?
0: Like, well, depending on what happened at that party, that weekend party. I mean, you know, that's really the big, the biggest factor in all of this i
1: think something definitely she definitely did see something that she wasn't supposed to
0: or maybe she took some kind of hallucinogenic drug at this party and she never really came down
1: uh, that's a possibility as well i it's, didn't think it, of that i didn't think about that one
0: yeah it's a you know uh, i'm guessing some kind of a rap party you know for the movie and you know w- what is like the common theme in anything movie related or hollywood related it's always drugs and alcohol and giving it to young kids and i mean that's that is no mystery there i mean cory feldman can tell you all about you know his childhood growing up and the the all the fucked up stuff that was going on, you know, in Hollywood with all these big time producers and how they could get you any kind of yeah. drug you wanted and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. So I mean, it could have been some kind of really gnarly drug experience that she had at this party that that gave her these paranoid uh and that can happen, you know. I mean, taking LSD once, taking or doing mushrooms one time, you Changes know.
1: your brain chemistry.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can have a really bad. I knew I knew this girl who took uh, a whole bag of mushrooms and she had like she she had like a 72 hour trip and it was like holy shit it was like hell basically and she that sounds like hell and she now suffers from ptsd as a result of her drug trip that she had because she took too many you know mushrooms or whatever so i mean you know these are all possibilities of things that could have also happened um
1: don't take drugs kids
0: yeah, you shouldn't. You, 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 I'm but. not going to tell you what to do, but you should probably not fuck around with it. If if your life is good enough right now and things are good enough right now and you think, well, meh, I should just try it. You probably shouldn't. Uh, if, if you're pretty happy in life, then just kind of stick with that and don't open up Pandora's box because once you open it, you can't close it. And that's the thing about doing drugs. Once you have had that drug, then you now know what it is to go without it because you've introduced it into your system. That's why parents always tell their kids, just don't even start. Don't even start, you know, because it might be awesome. But now you know what it's like and you want, you know, you might want more of it. There are very few people I know who can do drugs responsibly so um after all this kind of paranoid episodes were happening tammy was offered a small role in the al pacino movie scarface which is kind of like whoa some kind of you know hollywood credibility coming in here exactly um all went well until the fourth day of filming uh caster casting director called uh walter leibowitz uh who uh, tammy was staying with at the time and said tammy had a breakdown and they had to take her to her trailer apparently there was a scene in scarface where someone was getting shot really in scarface there was a scene where someone was getting (laughs) shot um and blood spurted everywhere and apparently tammy freaked the fuck out and she had to return to her trailer and she was like you know they're showing her in the segment just freaking out in this trailer just like having a meltdown and the actress like you said did did a really good job um and she was going on and on about how she was going to die and she was hysterical and in that in that frenzy said something about money laundering and, and made light of some kind of money laundering, which kind of alludes to, you know, if she has any kind of credibility about someone coming after her, the money laundering thing would be the only thing that, you know, that would allude to that. Exactly. Um, so, um, lebowitz spoke to tammy's mother and said you know you need to take her to a doctor and a psychologist to see if the problem was in her head or if there was some kind of factual evidence that someone was after her uh tammy did end up talking to the sheriff eventually but she never mentioned her fear about her life being in danger which again
1: which that that is very uh curious That's a very like uh really like it's a cindy james yeah. syndrome uh, yeah but at the same time, if she was so terrified that someone's going to kill her, maybe, and she's like, oh, uh, tell them I'm not here. Maybe it was one of those things where it's like, if you tell anyone, I'm going to kill your, 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 kill you and your family type deal. So maybe that's a part of it. But then again, you hear that a lot when it comes to these type of stories. It's like well i couldn't say anything because you know he said he was gonna kill me or or he was gonna kill my family
0: which if you uh, a lot of times because you know this is a trope you know we see this all the time in movies we see this all the time on tv shows the guy the murderer who tells the victim if you tell if you go to the police your whole family dies and we as the viewers always go hell that's the first thing i'd do is go to the cops but if you really look into like stalking laws and harassment laws in, in the united states at least the it's they're on the side of the the person doing the stalking and doing the harassment a hundred percent they are these laws are not on the side of the victim
1: exactly they're- you can say something but the cops are like, well, until we see anything, until something happens, we can't do anything.
0: Yeah. Which, I mean, that kind of goes into your whole First Amendment, right? Saying, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of, you know, whatever. Um, so but that's you-
1: kind of messed up, though. It's like, we can't do anything until, well, now she's dead. Well, whoops. <laughs> Well, I guess we can't, you
0: know. <laughs> there was one time this, uh, this girl I was working with, uh, in music or whatever. Her ex boyfriend was harassing me and uh, semi stalking me, and um, I, I, oh, I went to get a, I went to file a restraining order against him, and the cops showed up, and and literally all the stuff you had to go through to file a restraining order, I just said fuck it. I said fuck it, and I'll just, I'll just live my life with a f- baseball bat next to me, I guess, because... I mean you have to like set up a court date you you both have to go to court you and the person yeah, you, you want to put
1: it, you got to jump through hoops Yeah I you got to go through all that. this
0: legal bullshit to get this person to stop bothering you and it's so much easier it's it's so much easier and less hassle to just say you know just go well I'll just take my chances and so I mean
1: Yeah you also have to deal with that too the legal bullshit and all these different hoops when you when you're just trying to help somebody like if you know a family member has a mental breakdown like you have to Go through all of these different hoops or whatever just to get them help, it, it, because they have to. Oh, we can't do anything until he does something, or he harms himself, or he harms, you know, some, someone else. Uh, and it's just one of those things. It's just you kind of have to end up lying to be like, "Hey, he's not letting me go, so <laughs> time to take him in." Type deal. Uh, it's just to get them the help that they need and th- that's just infuriating to me my, my... like they think that the mental illness patient is the one the person who's going through a mental breakdown is going to be cognizant enough to sign off <laughs> on you know some papers or whatever to be admitted into a hospital I mean, Yeah. give me a fuck break
0: yeah well you know my whole point is is that whenever you see these kind of things on tv and stuff where where these people don't go to the police it's like they probably know in their head that even if I attempt to go to the police and they just tell me, oh, we can't do anything, oh, I just got my whole family killed just then. Cause the exactly, per- yeah. cause The person knows that I went because they're probably watching me somehow. Exactly. And so the cops don't end up doing anything, and now my family's killed. So it's like, well, yeah. i am just rather not go, and maybe if I do what the person wants, they'll leave me alone. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it's something I that... Understand yeah, it's something I didn't think was understandable when I was younger, but now that I've personally been through this shit and almost filed a restraining order myself against somebody, now I kind of get it, you know, it's just sad, but sad, but true, um, so Tammy's paranoia started to run rampant, and it even started to seep into her family life, she became convinced that somebody was trying to poison her, and she'd have Wing, the little kid living with her, taste the food before she'd eat it. Um, according to her mom, she was not the Tammy that we knew. She did not recognize this Tammy in personality, and she even took on a different look. A wild, she always had a wild, scared look in her eyes. Um, on July first, nineteen eighty-three, Tammy Lynn finally snapped. Uh, wing was on the couch reading. I wish this guy had a different name because whenever I say Wing, it just sounds like I'm referring to a plane wing. Um,
1: yeah, it, or or a chicken wing.
0: Yeah uh wing was on the couch reading and uh they have her just standing up there in the living room looking all on edge and all and uh then she starts asking wing she's like what are you looking at in like a very cliche like sister and brother type way and then wing was "What are you looking at yeah what are you looking at and then you know wing was like not you and then <laughs> tammy went outside and like I-, I like how they portrayed this in the segment they they show her walking out and then she sees some neighbors randomly playing across the street and then she sees some lady walking her dog and then and they like
1: have the camera all tilted. Yeah. So they, they did a great job creating this sort of panic. This this look of you know, this weird sort of off kilter world that Tammy is it feels that like she's a part of. It captured how it probably feels like when you're having a panic attack and i think that's what she had.
0: It does because when you do have a panic attack, everything that seems normal does take on a kind of a different feel and everything does seem seem different than what it should be cuz uh, you know, coming from someone who's had that hundreds They're
1: of- louder than, you know, they normally are and yeah.
0: Yeah, me who's had like hundreds of panic attacks, I, I can tell y'all about them. Um so so she goes outside and she sees these she's these fairly innocuous things and then she starts freaking the fuck out and then she goes to run back in, and the door was either locked or she perceived it to be locked. I'm not sure, um, but she—I gra- guess there happened to be a bat outside, and she smashed the window. They had this kind of front like, uh, went like parlor window that was like really very big. memorable
1: uh, sequence. You know, of yeah, events in the segment, the whoever the director was did a great job directing this particular uh, part of this segment. Also, you know, the actors once again did a great job. Like, I really, she was very believable yeah so that's great acting is when you can't tell that it's an actor playing a role it, it, it looks like you're it's happening right in front of you for real
0: yeah so she starts smashing this window in and like wing like opens a door and she like pushes him and she's like pushed him like yeah she's about to like fight him or something she's like screaming out. i'm like why did you lock me out why did you lock me out and he's like i didn't lock you out what are you talking about And then her mom had to like intervene and like just push her against the wall and be like, I love you. I love you. Calm down. I love you. I love you. And you know, she, the mom said, I was able to handle that situation, but I knew that there would be other situations after that, that I might not be able to handle. So Linda checked Tammy into the Brevard County Mental Health Center. They found no evidence of drug or alcohol abuse at the time, because drugs don't necessarily stay in your system for however long she was suffering for, you know, without, the damage might have already been done without the drugs being in her system, is my point. Uh, they kept her for 72 hours of observation, and on the way home, Tammy asked her mom, uh, you gotta promise me if anything happens to me, you gotta get even with the person who does anything to me, and the mom asked, what do you think is gonna happen to you? And she said, um, Tammy said, I know you don't wanna hear this, but he's still gonna try to kill me, um... Tammy went out with her friend, uh, I believe his name is Rick, uh, the next, very next day, and she goes, Rick, I love you, I, I might be going away for a while, and he's just like, uh, okay, um, <laughs> the next day seemed very normal, they show everyone inside the house, just kind of sitting around watching TV, and, um, you know, they were just showing that she was okay, and then the mom was in the living room on the phone, just kind of ignoring her, car pulls up, honks its horn outside, and Tammy goes, bye mom, and the mom's not really paying attention to Tammy that much. And she goes, I love you. And the mom's still on the phone. And then Tammy gets in the car and drives off. And then right at that moment, I guess the mom realizes that, oh, shit, I have a daughter who exists. And she goes out to only to see Tammy as she drives away. And she said, at that moment, I knew I was never going to see Tammy again. And she just had a gut feeling. Um, police talked to the driver of the car because they were able to get a hold of him, and apparently the driver and Tammy got into an argument. And the driver dropped Tammy off at 3 p.m. at the Reliance Bank. That was five. I mi- love
1: the reenactment there because the actor—he's not that great, yeah. but it's, it's a little the whole
0: thing where he's just like, would you just, just shut up? Yeah, the dialogue was <laughs> like really just generic argument dialogue. She's like, she's like, what do you want from me? And he's like, just shut up, okay? <laughs> that's what i want for you to shut up but he drops her off five miles from her house barefoot no purse and at this point she disappears without a trace uh her her friends felt strongly that tammy was having problems at home and that she wanted to leave but her mom said that she was getting ready to leave for california which was as far away from coco beach as you could get so that theory doesn't exactly hold up which coco beach no is. it doesn't
1: she was gonna leave for three months to ca- you know to stay in california yeah so, and when yeah, the mom that's... said
0: that like that's true because like i live in Jacksonville. i'm like i'm like an hour or two away from coco beach and uh yeah you can't pick a more further point in the united states than where i live now compared to california i, I googled it did google maps one time it would take me 23 hours for me to drive to- washington
1: be farther than california possibly
0: okay mr semantics maybe washington (laughs) would be farther Jeez. i'm just i'm
1: just i'm just throwing that out there no but really california would be really far away though
0: yeah so you know as robert stack goes what could have what could a 17 year old have seen according uh to an official uh according to officials dozens of money laundering cases were going on in florida at the time which could just be a, a coincidence yeah so there was money laundering going on i mean that there, there, there's any kind of shady shit under the sun going on in florida never mind all those puns just then but yeah florida yeah. i mean the pill mills here with the, the the doctor the bogus doctors giving out prescriptions for oxycontin and all that shit money laundering drug smuggling you name it uh-huh. florida most likely has it going on so i mean that could just be a coincidence but she did say yeah. something about specifically um again my uh my diagnosis of this is because i know a little bit about schizophrenia because my friend has it um schizophrenia kicks in around the later teenage years it's kind of the prime time for schizophrenia to kick in the later teens early 20s that time i think that she wanted to be a movie star she was in a few movies she you know was in these beauty contests. She had all kinds of accolades for her physical appearance. So she probably felt a lot of pressure all the time to, you know, measure up. And so she probably went to this party and got into some shit. Maybe not the shit she thought she got into as far as people trying to kill her, but maybe she took some drugs. Maybe, you know, that some guy or some, some people befriended her and said, Oh yeah, just do this. Everyone's doing it. blah, blah. blah. And uh, cause I mean, nothing ever happened that was like credible as far as like outside threats it's like the cindy james thing like It's like, you know, I mean, hell, even with the Cindy James thing, there was more things in that segment that actually happened than this girl. The segment never talks about any, uh, you know, beatings or random bricks Uh flying through the window, notes being left anywhere. There was no evidence that anything was going on. It was all coming from her end of, of, of everything. So... I feel like a bad uh, or a schizophrenia set on by some kind of drug experience or just schizophrenia in general I think that that's a viable uh, theory as to what could have caused this um,
1: that could that could definitely be a viable theory but there could also be the fact that maybe she actually did see something that she wasn't supposed to and maybe there actually was somebody who was who had threatened her and things like that. So that's but the see the thing is it's it's unsolved. So it's one of those like unknown sort of things. So we really have just a sort of, you know, our idea of what would have what happened.
0: What could she um, uh, involving money laundering and people wanting to kill her, her knowing too much because we just But it might not necessarily
1: be that though. Because there's this extra stuff that I looked up on Wikipedia uh, that the segment did not cover. Ooh. where some presume that Leopard may have been a murder victim of serial killer Christopher Wilder, who killed many young women until his death in 1984. Leppard's family sued Wilder before he was killed by police, although they eventually decided to halt the process, as some had their doubts if he was involved in her disappearance. Leppard's agent also stated that she did not believe Wilder killed Tammy. But the whole thing is, around the same time, He abducted and raped at least 12 women and killed at least eight of them during a spree from Florida and through Texas, Oklahoma, Nevada, California, and New York in 1984 before he committed suicide and during a struggle with police in New Hampshire. So several people believed that they had met on the set of First Scarface in Fort Lauderdale, and then he made fruitless trips to her home to ask Curtis to allow him to see his daughter. However, it is generally believed that her disappearance during this, his murder spree could just be a coincidence. Which it could be, but that's something worth mentioning. Another person of interest in this case is John Crutchley, a convicted kidnapper and rapist. He's suspected of killing as many as 30 women. He committed suicide in prison in 2002. Leopard's mother theorized that her daughter could have been murdered due to her knowledge of drug trafficking that was occurring locally. Here we go with the drug trafficking thing. She reported that Leopard exhibits, exhibited signs of paranoia as she was cautious when consuming food and would not open, drink from open containers.
0: And that's, also, that's the part that gets me. It's like, why, if, if, if all that, w- if that was really what it was, that someone was out to get her, why would she think that her family would be trying to poison her? Yeah, exactly. You know, why would they be in on it too? You yeah, know, yeah the,
1: that, that's, that's a paranoia thing. But sometimes when you see something that's traumatic... It, it causes the paranoia. So several age progressions have been created to show what she may have later looked like if she was alive. Uh, profiles detailing the case were created by the Doe Network, National Missing and Unidentified Person System, and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, in hopes to generate leads from potential tips. Her DNA profile has since been processed once this form of forensic technology became possible, although her dental records and fingerprints have not been accessed by local police. It's believed that her dental information had been acquired at some point, yet poor record-keeping resulted in the data being lost. And they also uh, checked uh, Jane Doe's, you know, unidentified bodies that were found. And there's about 13 of them, and none of them matched up with her either. See, that's the thing. It's one of those, like, why have they not found her body yet? But then again, there's other people, there's other, you know, murder victims or just people who disappeared and then just off the face of the earth they haven't been found, their bodies haven't been found yet either. Yeah. The theory that you have also holds weight too, because there is a possibility that she maybe had a bad drug trip, it changed her brain chemistry, and then she started to have symptoms of schizophrenia, and then... She was dropped off and then wandered off, and then it's just
0: crazy, right? Because my friend who had schizophrenia when she was suffering from it before she got medication, um, she would get these crazy ideas like, Oh, I'm gonna ride my bike from Jacksonville to Miami, like her bicycle, like on the side of the highway. And to yeah. her, that seemed like a perfectly logical idea at the time. She's like, That just you know, I'm just gonna go and do that, and like you know. And she would run away from her family and stuff like who was trying to like they were trying to get her to like bring her back to the house or take her to the hospital or something because she was acting crazy. But she thought in her mind, she thought her family was like bad people who were trying to get her. So she was running like hell away from her. So, I mean. I just I guess because I've heard my friend has told me so much about her experiences when I hear yeah. like such bizarre abnormal behavior yeah. uh, like that's, this, that's
1: the perfect word to describe it yeah it's a very bizarre case
0: Yeah I, I just to me schizophrenia just fits the bill so much you know and, and how it can just literally kind of set in uh, And
1: when you're if you're the longer you're in this sort of schizophrenic state uh, say it ties in with a mental breakdown. Uh, the longer that you're in that state, the the lower the chances are that you're going to get out of it. Right. If you don't get uh, treatment, so that's yeah. a possibility that she just absolutely just uh, went complete, total schizophrenic. But you would think that they would have, you know, they, they would. You would think there would be some kind of record, though. I I, I think. So, I mean, there is a possibility maybe she just uh, lost it and walked off somewhere and, uh, you know, off a cliff or (laughs) into a lake somewhere, possibly. But you think they find something. But, um.
0: Well, another thing, too, if when she just walked away, as she did. You got an attractive, young, fit girl... Yes, that's
1: the thing. ...walking down the
0: street who might be mentally unwell. You're still going to have some guy who's going to try to pick her up, you know? And, exactly. And she probably went along with them, and maybe was didn't know what was going on. And he was just like, hey, hey, whatever, baby. You know, now you're with me. You know, you can talk about people trying to kill you all you want. But uh, daddy's got you now, you know? I don't know. And then, you
1: know, or daddy's got you now. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, all this talk about the people are going to kill you. Yeah, well, uh, you definitely found the right place.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, that's what sucks, man, about being a woman is you got so much shit. You got to so much extra shit you have to worry about just walking. I mean,
1: it ties into this other case I saw where they didn't find they found the bodies So that's the thing. They found the bodies of these Swedish uh, uh, women who were uh, residents, you know, from Sweden and they were hitchhiking, and they disappeared, and they found their bodies. So they just didn't find who killed them. But they found the body. See, that's there's no body here. So that's the thing that's very just it's very puzzling
0: almost makes me think about uh breaking bad that show breaking bad how they used to get rid of the bodies they would put them in that plastic tub and pour that yeah um, that what was it that lie yeah that that acidic yeah. shit that would just literally just eat, burn uh, just dissolve their bones and everything and they'd just be this red goop um yeah. it almost almost makes me think of something maybe something like that could have Uh, possibly... Or
1: it could have been one of the serial killers. I think that's definitely a possibility, too. It seemed like there was two serial killers that were in the area at the time, and, you know, if they saw her, I mean, that's just prime... It's a prime uh... You know, prime kill, really. I mean, for those type of individuals. And especially Christopher Wilder, because he was killing women that looked very similar to her.
0: Yeah, it's a shame. Um, You know, it's just... One last. I don't think there's a chance that she's alive. I, no. I, I, I,
1: you know, it's been 33 years. Although there was a case uh, where this woman went missing in 1976 and was found 30 something years later, but that's a very that's an outlier. It's 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 a very rare th- uh, thing for that kind of that kind of uh, incident or kind of moment to happen that's not something that's going to happen that often
0: just as a uh, fun fact she i did the math and she would have been 51 years old now in 2016 which is crazy because like she is like you know middle middle age at this point in, in this yeah. show she's this young beautiful model mm-hmm. and now she you know if she's still alive she'd be very very middle age approaching old age uh so that's that's what's crazy about this show sometimes is uh you you get a a sense of just how long ago this show was around you know they're covering this stuff
1: other people have ideas that maybe she ran away but it's like yeah they i would think they would have found some sort of reference you know she could have changed her name or whatever i guess but eventually they usually find those type of uh people that run away and then change their name or whatever. Eventually they find those, those individuals. Cause I'm pretty sure you take a driver's license photo. They'd be able to know, you know?
0: Yeah. It's one of those, you know, it was through is a the, database. Those so. unsolved case, those unsolved mystery segments that you watch where they don't have an update. Those are always hard. Cause it's like, Oh, they still, they still didn't.
1: I just thought this one was worth talking about because for one, I remember it because I saw it at a young age and uh, you know you have the whole connection which she was somewhat famous you know she was a uh, beauty queen she was also in, uh, an actress in in film so uh, there's that kind of connection uh that makes it uh, pretty memorable uh, the shot where she's in her bedroom with a spring break poster in the background
0: <laughs> oh i didn't notice that nice
1: but yeah uh yeah, I don't know. I think, I think the theories that Josh had and some of the ones that we have here, I mean, they're definitely uh, credible, plausible, but
0: it, it's unsolved. <laughs> I don't know, Mike. You seem a little too comfortable over there with your unsolved theories. Things are just wrapping up a little too conveniently, like you might know something.
1: I don't know anything.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll look into that. Moving on. This is a segment that we've gotten requests for many times. It's something that obviously I've wanted to talk about. I want to talk about everything I want to talk about all these segments in one like 18 hour run, but obviously we can't do that because we have other things we do in our lives besides this podcast, unfortunately for you guys. But uh, this would be the case of the murdered investigative journalist Danny Castellero. This is a great case it's it's just brimming with juiciness about government secrecy uh if you're anybody who finds that stuff fascinating much like i do this case is for you so uh gosh where to begin on this one um august 10th 1991 1230 p.m housekeeper at the sheraton hotel opened room 517 for routine cleaning Nothing could have prepared her for what she found inside, though. Lying in a tub of bloody water was a guest registered to the room. Clearly, he was dead. The body of a 44-year-old investigative journalist from Fairfax, Virginia, named Danny Casalero, was found. Within minutes, Martinsburg police were called to the scene in which they found a brief suicide note that read, To my loved ones, please forgive me, most especially my son, and be understanding. God will let me in. That's, uh, that's a bullshit suicide note if I've ever heard one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm no forensic. It sounds
1: very, it sounds very fishy.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, suicide notes are usually very personal. I mean. Yeah.
1: But this wasn't, this is, it just seemed kind of.
0: It doesn't tie up any loose ends. It doesn't answer any questions. It's just. No,
1: it seems like it's overly thought out.
0: It's contrived.
1: Yeah, contrived. Yeah, that's a good one good way to put it
0: so in the bathtub police recovered a single razor blade incredibly castellaro's wrists were slashed 18 times for the squeamish just cover your ears with eight cuts on the left arm and four cuts on the right one cup was one cut was deep enough to sever a tendon
1: (laughs) i mean it specifically look at that i mean his wrist had been slashed 12 times eight cuts on his left wrist four on his right one cut was so deep it severed a tendon would somebody, if they're committing suicide, would they really go like that extreme?
0: That's overkill.
1: That's overkill. Absolutely. 100% overkill.
0: Um, they found his wallet in his room with cash and credit cards intact, and there appeared to be no sign of struggle. So what do police do? They call it a suicide, and they ve- investigate it as such, or so we think. castellera's body was delivered to a funeral home. Uh, However, two days passed before the family was even notified of his death. Anthony Castellaro, his brother, called the police about his brother and asked what happened. He he said, uh, Anthony said that, uh, they said, we found your brother and he committed suicide. The maid found him Saturday. And then he asked, why did it take two days for us to be notified? And, uh, you know... The brother Then the brother started asking questions about, like, well, do you know who my brother is? Do you know anything about him? What about his papers? Um, and they the police just didn't have an answer for any of that. Um, the papers that Danny Castillo had in his hotel room that weren't found, they contained hundreds of notes and documents that came from years of investigation. Uh, Jack Anderson, a journalist uh, that they interviewed for this show, he was suspicious of the suicide from the day he heard about it the investigation and everything. And he was commenting on that. Um, they have a bunch of journalists on this show that they interviewed. Danny must've been pretty popular, you know, in the journalist well, yeah, community.
1: It sounds like it. I mean, he was really going deep. Yeah. It covered something that was really, uh, really messed up. If you ask me, um, and dangerous and dangerous for him and, and, uh, anyone else that was involved with it. Uh, it's, it's some shady shit and that, and that
0: kind of ties into like the whole suicide thing because danny's fear of blood tests and needles and simple medical examinations was well known to the family and they yeah. found it incomprehensible that he committed suicide by slashing his wrist a dozen times
1: well also look at it too all of his uh documents just disappeared like if he killed himself why why would he do where would the documents just be there would it right. still
0: just be there and it, it does it also doesn't make sense because danny just got done enthusiastically telling friends and family that he was close to breaking the story that had consumed yeah. him the past year which is really the whole meat of this story which I'm about exactly. to get into um he had started an inquiry into a computer software theft, uh, but then it mushroomed into a broad investigation into government corruptions that Danny believed implicated U.S. Department justice official, uh, officials. Uh, people believed Danny Casalera was silenced because he knew too much. And, well, that becomes the duh part of the story. Um, the whole thing started when Danny was interviewing Bill and Nancy Hamilton, the owners of a computer company called Inslaw, The Hamiltons had developed a powerful program called Promise, and it it was said to revolutionize data management for law enforcement. So a lot of law enforcement and government officials started utilizing this program. In 1980, the Justice Department purchased the software to handle their many cases. Initially, the program earned high praise and big returns for Insla, as you would imagine from any government contract. Uh, Then the climate of justice changed. Uh, At the beginning of the second year of the three-year contract, the Justice Department began to withhold payments from Inslaw and drove Inslaw into Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which is just the government at its finest just making its own rules, you know, doing whatever they want, fucking over the little guy, like just typical big government behavior. Um, The Hamiltons then learned and this is it gets better the hamiltons then learned that canada had acquired their software the country of canada had acquired their software the hamiltons told castellera that they were mystified at the illegal sales of their software then the hamiltons talked to someone named michael Reconosciuto, and he claimed to have worked for the cia on numerous top secret projects Um, mike Reconosciuto agreed to talk to unsolved mysteries and according to him Uh, There are parties that were involved in distributing this pirated software, and these agencies were clandestine agencies that were involved in Nicaragua, Central America, and were involved in operations in the Middle East. And he says, yes, I have direct knowledge of the funds of the direct sales of this product to finance those operations. So then August of 1989, the Judiciary Committee opened a formal inquest, and they actually show a clip of this inquest. And it's this is not a reenactment. They show a clip of this Judiciary Committee. Um high-level uh Department of Justice officials that forced Inslaw out of business and stole its software uh were being, you know, questioned and indicted and all that. Reconosciuto submitted a sworn affidavit of his knowledge of the involvement of these agencies. Weeks later, however, he was arrested on drug charges. Uh, at this point of this segment, he is currently being held in federal custody in Chicago, Illinois. This uh, tainted his credibility, to say the least. Yeah, um, do
1: you really think those drug charges were legit? Right. I mean, that's my thing. Right. I, I think there was, it was totally planted and, you know...
0: So then you get, then the deal gets even sweeter when we hear from Elliot Richardson. Now, if you don't know who Elliot Richardson is, and he, good Lord, if you don't know who Elliot, I'm just so, so, uh, I have such a boner for mysteries right now. If you don't know who Elliot Richardson is, he was the attorney general for Richard Nixon. and, And this guy is such a good shit that he resigned before participating in the Watergate scandal. Um, so like he saw what was going on with the Watergate scandal. And he just said, uh, fuck you guys. I'm out. He drops the mic. You so know? he's
1: a good shit. Yeah. He's, okay, a, that's interesting. he's <laughs> a good shit.
0: He is. He really is a good shit. And he became legal counsel for the Hamiltons, uh, you know, who, who were the heads of this Innslaw company who was being pounded by the government. Uh, after months of investigation, Danny had uncovered, uh, an unsavory network of us government officials, organized crime members, and intelligence agents he called the Octopus.
1: I love that. Yeah. That sounds like something straight out of James Bond. Right. I Does mean, it's, remember it's Spectre. Kind of- Spectre is, you know, the clandestine operation, you know, led by Blofeld and all these other underground criminal operations working together. Uh, and, and it's called Spectre. And, the, and their uh, logo is an octopus.
0: Oh, so wow, that,
1: okay. that's why that's it totally reminded me of that
0: yeah well you know i feel like a lot of you know uh truth is stranger than fiction and i feel like a lot of this uh james bond stuff comes from you know these kind of real life situations that that you know are real that do happen you know and that's what makes them so tantalizing to talk about because it's interesting um Casalero believed that the octopus was at the heart of the iran contra scandal bcci bnl and now even the largely discredited october surprise uh which sounds like a delicious birthday cake um so basically in short just about every major scandal of the 1980s uh the octopus was behind uh the deeper Casolero went into the octopus the more he found himself on intimate terms with shady characters Danny Casalero according to this one guy who put it really awesome um another journalist friend Danny Casalero stepped into a world that he did not belong in the people in this world lie just as a matter of course they lie they cheat they're involved in numerous murders drugs and Danny thought he could navigate this labyrinth by himself and that was a mistake A week before Danny died, he told his brother that he was receiving numerous death threats. And these were actual death threats, not uh, LSD-fueled schizophrenic (laughs) death threats. Um, People were starting to call in the middle of the night that he had never heard of that were just telling him, you are going to die, (laughs) which I think is kind of funny because it's just like, could you be more subtle about it, sir? It's so (laughs) blunt. It's so blunt. (laughs) What are you trying to tell me, sir? you
1: are going to die the hangs up the phone Like, oh
0: you 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 need directions you have a wrong number i, I just don't uh, you're... actually i think that's the worst possible call to get yeah it's
1: just so direct and it kind of in the tone of voice is just like really really serious and then you're like you get that phone call you are going to die the hangs it up immediately and then you're like holy shit
0: well, what knowing the, that you're investigating... What, what the hell am I
1: in right now? Can yeah. I get out of this?
0: You know, with the knowledge that you're going to be a, a big government whistleblower, with the knowledge that you've been working with these, these sketchy individuals, getting a phone call like that would absolutely have a lot more gravity to it than just some, you know, prank caller, you Oh, know.
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: So, you know, it's it's showing a scene where Danny's with his brother Anthony and, you know, he's telling about all this stuff and Anthony's like, you know, do you know who these people are? And he's like, no, he's like, I don't. He goes, I'll tell you this, though. When I go to Martinsburg, if anything happens to me, don't believe it's an accident. And so right there, you kind of have the foreboding of, of what ends up happening to him. And, and, you know, he's basically, you know, pulling a Tupac and being like, you know, it's not an accident. And, you know, he leaves all these clues before he actually dies. Uh, With briefcases full of documents, Danny arrived in Martinsburg to meet with some informants, which would conclude his investigation. So he was almost done investigating all this. Um, He had been tracking the finances of the octopus and believed one of his new confidants would deliver new evidence. Um, This guy was giving him hard copy printouts of certain specific targets that Danny was after having to do with the CIA's finances. A day before Danny died, he met with a source named Will Turner, who was an employee of a major defense contractor. According to Turner, he handed over paperwork documenting uh, corruption that Danny believed was tied to the octopus. Within 24 hours, Danny would be found dead, and Turner's documents would turn up missing, along with the rest of the papers. Um... So then they kind of switch the uh, switch to like what actually happened to Danny's body in this segment. And they talk about how uh, Anthony was calling and saying, you know, his brother Anthony was like, hey, you know, I want I want to, you know, an official autopsy done. You know, this is bullshit, blah, blah. And they tell him that, uh, well, Danny's already been embalmed. And Anthony's like, excuse me? He's like,
1: like, what the fuck? Really?
0: he's like is, is that what's supposed to happen is that the normal process and the guy on the phone goes well no but we'll we'll just have to look into that <laughs> so then they finally get the autopsy done and during the op- uh, autopsy there's a report that there is a bruise on the arm and the head of danny castlero and and these bruises were never accounted for in the original police report uh, additionally the tips of three fingernails were missing from one hand and that was not disclosed uh danny's hotel room was cleaned the very next day by a professional cleaning crew and inadvertently discarded important evidence uh the previous day minutes after danny's body had been found bloody towels were in the bathroom where someone had tried to mop up the floor and the walls it's never been addressed who did this by the authorities
1: yeah i like this uh quote by journalist john connell Connolly and he questioned how the scene was handled by authorities he's like the police reports of investigation are certainly not professional Fingerprints get lost, get messed up. They drain the tub without a strainer. Sloppy work. Police have a rule in this country. Government have, people have a rule. When they screw up, they cover up. Sad but true. Do I think they covered up here? yes i do
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that I, I i remember that that uh, line specifically as well um uh, just how he's talking about it you know it's like there's no strainer in the tub when they drain the tr- tub sloppy work you know i just love how he's put he's just you know just your hardened and then the uh, whole thing when
1: they screw up they cover up
0: yeah which we've seen many instances of that you don't got to be a fucking scientist to realize that that happens um well i guess you don't have to even scientists, I don't know, that, that, that analogy didn't really work for that example. That's okay, I tried it. It didn't stick. That's, that's fine. You don't
1: have to be a rocket scientist.
0: You, you don't we- have to be a rocket appliance to know that, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a Trailer Park Boys reference there. So I'm not going to take credit for that one. Um, so um, Elliot Richardson, uh, Nixon's former attorney general, um, you know, he was talking about this. They were, you know, interviewing him and he's saying that, uh, there was enough evidence that he was murdered and there should have been a much more proper investigation than what there has been. Obviously Richard is and just, you know, very, uh, uh, just a veteran of, of Washington and, and how to speak, you know, very diplomatically.
1: He's an a no bullshit type guy.
0: Yeah, so he, he was, you know, he wasn't super passionate about everything, but he was speaking in a very matter-of-fact way, and and this guy yeah. isn't some Tom, Dick, or Harry off the street. This guy's, you know, this guy's got some clout, so, you know, if he's saying that there sh- he believed that there was a murder and there should have been a more proper investigation... Yeah, then, that's what
1: he says. He says, all that I do know makes me believe that this is more likely that he was murdered right. than he that he committed suicide, so he believes it's more likely that he was murdered, so...
0: So this is—I do too. Yeah, so. yeah. It's clear to me that that's what happened. This is another very tasty detail. Um, August sixteenth, nineteen ninety-one, at Danny's funeral, uh, as the ceremony was coming to a close, a highly decorated mi- military official showed up in a limo uh, to Danny's funeral uh, with a plainly closed guy next to him. He was just wearing this other guy next to him was just wearing like a trench coat. Uh, the military man carefully placed a medal on Danny's casket as they were about to lower it. And he saluted the casket. And when everyone went back to Danny's house, you know, there was a lot of people there, and and, and everyone was asking around, and nobody knew who that guy was. Nobody knew who he yeah. was. Just some highly decorated military official shows up to Danny Casillero's funeral, puts a medal on his casket, salutes it. I mean, that's like that's some powerful stuff right there. Yeah,
1: like that. That was that is a very haunting image, and it's something that. It does add credibility to the fact that he was murdered and and part of a cover up or maybe the people that he was involved with. There's a possibility that he was also working for the United States government and trying to uncover, you know, the octopus and trying to help out the government. And then, well, he got involved with this shady octopus thing and then there was an undercover agent, double agent possibly, that uh, is the reason why he's no longer with us. Murdered by a double agent. Yeah. Why would he, why would there be a medal put on his casket? Why would a, why would a military official, that's what makes me think maybe it wasn't the government that killed him. Maybe it was some, maybe it was the octopus.
0: Right. And, you know, I mean, that
1: would make sense. I mean, the octopus doesn't want, the, he was that close to finishing the investigation, revealing all of this shady stuff. A lot of people, a lot of high government officials are probably going to lose their jobs or get thrown in jail or whatever, and you know they're going to lose their funding. You know the the, the octopus is probably making millions of dollars, you know, off these shady deals. So, do you yeah. remember?
0: Do you remember the Don Devero case? Have you seen that one yet?
1: Oh yeah, I think so. D- Did not mm-hmm.
0: that tie? Feel like that one tied into this one in some way
1: yeah it does a little bit
0: yeah yeah that's one we got to follow up with at some point because that, that that's another really interesting one that kind of ties into this one um where someone was murdered um it was a mistaken hit on that one though but um yeah so un, un-fucking-surprisingly uh authorities refuse to participate in the unsolved mystery segment for uh any kind of comment or anything yeah which just totally adds to credibility when they oh no comment we don't want to speak on that um the kind of the final cap the final middle finger to to danny's family and the whole i guess american people in general is um danny's wallet suicide note and other items have been retained with no explanation by the investigators Mm -hmm. so they still they still have the shit and they wouldn't give it back yeah no explanation yeah exactly that never happens Unless it's a piece of evidence, which unless
1: it's like the one where the whistleblower one where it's just too radioactive, radioactive. We can't give you we can't let you bury his remains. Right. But that's a totally different thing. You know, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Like that. That's okay. That's understandable why you can't give those those items back to the family.
0: Yeah, and this, I they—they mean, they yeah, weren't even
1: like. There's no reason for this.
0: They weren't even acting like this was evidence, because remember, they—they they weren't investigating this as a murder. This was investigated as yeah. a suicide. So why wouldn't they give his personal effects back to his family? They wouldn't hold that, not if it was a suicide. So it's, it's See, that's the
1: thing. There's probably there's a government cover-up involved here, but whether it's the government itself, that's the sort of thing. It's like, was it the shadowy underground shadow conspiracy group, the octopus that killed him? And then there's members of the government who are part of the octopus. That's like that's that's probably that's a pretty realistic scenario. Or was it the government who you know? But that's the thing. I mean, why the metal is what really makes me scratch my head. That makes me think that he was doing something for the United States government, but there was also individuals within the United States government. Who were part of this octopus group, and you know they they finally caught up with him, and uh, he was not—he really should not have been investigating that by himself, but maybe the government, they sanctioned that. Maybe they were like, "Well, this is important. We need somebody to investigate this, uncover this." Uh, He seems to be willing to do it, willing to risk his life to do it. So. But that's the thing. Government but, wouldn't have
0: done that. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't have had one individual cover, like go into something like this. This was something Danny was doing on his own. Well,
1: yeah, that could be it too. But there, sometimes they do have that kind of stuff because it's somebody who's expendable.
0: Well, as we've seen with the Withville, Kentucky UFOs, when you get too close to the government, they will bite back in a big way. Exactly, and Danny. But- yeah. lost his life for it but i mean the other guy in the Whitfield, kentucky one i mean he he almost died so you know to- yeah
1: but i mean that's just the thing i mean that's what makes me wonder is there two sides to the story is was he working for the government and then the because he was uncovering this stuff then the people who were part of the government who were part of this group are you know part of the reasons why he was murdered and then the The government itself is trying to cover this up because it just looks bad all the way around, you know, because don't want this stuff to get out that we have government officials who are dealing in shady underground shit. But then we also don't want to get the stuff out that, you know, this person was murdered who, you know, we had him go in and investigate this stuff. Yeah,
0: I I I think it was a hit. I think uh you know they're talking about how the octopus involved uh you know uh organized crime. Organized crime will not think twice to wipe someone out who's who's and, and you know Danny was fucking with their money, you know. He was no. he was fucking with their money. It was I think it was a a professional hit. Uh pretty pretty cut and dry
1: i definitely think think it's professional yeah it was
0: an organized crime hit uh they took him out he was being too loud of a voice and they silenced him you know i mean i I think it was organized crime uh i think the government didn't the the people uh the government officials who were involved in the octopus i don't think they necessarily batted an eye about it i think they were like yeah you know tie up that loose end he's he's fucking with our money
1: so it seems like yeah, that's exactly what I thought. That's a very likely scenario. That's probably what happened. And uh yeah, like the guy said, Danny shouldn't have been doing this by himself.
0: But um and that's one of the that's one of the things about being an investigative journalist, you know, this kind of stuff can happen, you know? That's that's some of the risk you take on with your job. That's why I respect investigate true investigative journalists yeah. so much.
1: The government probably, you know, they probably had that military guy, you know, put a medal because Technically, you could say he died trying to do something for his country. Right. So, but then the ironic thing and the sad thing is that, well, it poss- the, it's really plausible that it, the government or someone who's involved with the government are, are the people who killed him.
0: I mean, why do you think it was such a big embarrassment that Edward Snowden was able to get out of the country and escape to Russia? And why do you think he's, he's in hiding? And I mean, you know, it, it's... It, 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 people who expose government corruption, they have a, a, a mark on their head.
1: Yep, they have a target on their back.
0: So that's that's kind of all I have to say about this. I really feel like it was it, it was pretty cut and dry. It was a very yeah. fascinating case. I if you have any way of watching it, I know that's shitty that I say that because a lot of people don't. But I mean, I, I highly this is one of Unsolved Mysteries' top flight segments. So this
1: one is actually all in the box set. This one is on the and box
0: set. <laughs> it's
1: in. It's a uh, bizarre murders. It's included in the bizarre murders set. So yeah. there's other not so legal ways to get some to get the set but
0: But, you'll have to go through the octopus to find those uh exactly wouldn't recommend it good luck yeah good luck me and mike mike got us passed because he said hey let me buy fuckers and they said okay (laughs) okay sir we don't we don't want any trouble so that's how we got access to it because mike's got a stern side to him a lot of people don't know that but uh he can he can be very uh unwieldy
1: watch my channel i'm pretty sure they know i have that that side oh yeah
0: that's true that's true yeah go and watch (laughs) his channel you'll see his you'll see his angry side it's it's scary it's frightening no it's it's actually entertaining (laughs) i enjoy watching it but um all right so now moving on to our final segment of the podcast uh this is a segment that i have wanted to cover since day one uh i want to get some kind of tattoo about this on my body somewhere that's how (laughs) into this case i am um this is the allagash abductions which can be found in the ultimate collection i believe it's disc one of the uh, ufos it's like the second segment of uh the first disc of the ufos i mean that's how fucking good this shit was it, i think i think the only one that came before this one was roswell area uh yeah i think it was like roswell and then this one well no i might be wrong whatever no
1: the the british and the bent British. waters
0: one. yeah it was bent waters then it was this one right yeah so this, this one's Waters just said it
1: was Roswell. Then it was it this one? No, it was this one after Bentwaters. It was this
0: one after Bentwaters. I know it was second in something. Yeah, this is just an amazing, incredible, uh, phenomenal story. And just as a little teaser, we're, we're going to play a cl- an actual clip from the show um, while uh, on this segment when we talk about this. So just hang on, and uh, you'll get to hear an actual uh, official segment from the show on here. But uh, this is just one that I've always loved. Uh, it's definitely not one that I remember from a kid. But it was nice because when I got the box set in the Ultimate Collection, I actually saw this one. I was like, holy shit, this is Unsolved Mysteries at, at some of its best uh, times yeah. when it comes to UFOs. Um, probably my favorite UFO segment. Um, yeah, probably. Probably my favorite UFO segment that Unsolved Mysteries has ever done. Yeah,
1: I'd probably say it's mine too. Yeah, um, This case is also covered on sightings. Oh, was um, it? this one after watching it again yeah i brought back memories that you know this segment gave me nightmares when i was a kid uh i actually did see it when i was younger um this is one of the first things that introduced me to alien abductions other than some books and stuff like that that i was reading like mysteries unexplained um yeah this is a pretty terrifying segment it still is a pretty terrifying segment as an adult, especially it when is. you see the sketches and you hear the actual audio from the hypnosis uh, sessions.
0: And these guys, these four and the guys, music, of course. Oh, I mean, the music was just oh, the music was fantastic on this segment. The 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 the. Uh, I, I'm I'm so ashamed of myself that I don't know the name of the guy who creates the music
1: score. Sh- the score just it's spine tingling. It just chills chills you to the bone and people very unnerving
0: people forget how much uh the music really played into the show and the success of the show and the creepy factor because that's i mean that's why everyone likes the show is because you could
1: creepy. just have nightmares just listen to the music <laughs> yeah
0: yeah they have a few musical ideas that they that they introduce in in a lot of the shows especially the uh ufo kind of stuff they'll have the silent what i like to call the silent night deadly night thing where it's like silent <laughs> night but evil sounding um, yeah. they, they have the uh, ones
1: that get me in this is just the really unearthly ones, the, the really low, like low tone. Like and the low like, synthesizer you know, the, drone. Yeah, yeah. And then like there's, yeah, that's what really gets me. What
0: gets me is the, qu- like the, the ghost choir. The well, ghost
1: choir too. That the, Sightings does that too. And that, that would creep the fuck out of me. Is the, oh. Yeah. Oh, oh.
0: Just go and watch 2001 A Space Odyssey where they go to find the monolith the second time in the moon or whatever. And you'll know what I'm talking about uh, with the ghostly sounding choir. It's just a very uh, atonal uh, like distant choir sound and they use it a lot when it comes to anyway it's, it's awesome so this story opens up the segment of the show opens up in with this like blue mist that's like the first thing you see when this opens up and then you hear a narration over this blue mist and you hear a guy saying uh, I was starting to have nightmares I couldn't explain I found myself in a brightly lit room no idea where I was or why I was there to my left I could see my brother Jim Chuck Rack and Charlie Fultz on some kind of bench I was wondering why they weren't helping me because I felt like I was in danger. While I was trying to figure this out, I saw a figure emerging from this dark light in front of me and they show a silhouette of a alien being, of a gray, a large gray. And he said, I'd wake up sweating and breathing heavily in a state of shock. And uh, for years, Jack Weiner told no one of, okay, let's just get out of the way. His last name's Weiner. Ha ha, grow the fuck up.
1: And by <laughs> the way, they were all naked.
0: Yeah, in all nightcare. naked, yeah. Uh, so,
1: it's already freaky enough as it is, you know, with this, you know, alien dream, but you're also naked. So, when you're naked, it's very uncomfortable anyway.
0: Vulnerable. So, now the
1: uncomfortable, the uncomfortable level is, like, turned up to 11 now, because now here's a freaking alien, and now you're like, oh my god, what is, what is, why am I having this horrible nightmare?
0: Right. So, finally... um. <clears throat> You know, Jim, his brother, admitted to having these same nightmares. Elements of the dream were always the same. It was some kind of creature's feelings of being violated was one of the feelings that was being discussed. Yeah. It was a real surprise to find out that Jim was having the same kind of dreams because I didn't want to talk about my dreams. Something was going on here, but I just couldn't put my fingers on it. In the
1: dreams... And also, they were identical twins, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, well, they, they and... might not,
0: they're very... Yeah, they're twins. Yeah, they're pretty much identical, yeah.
1: And... The interesting very intriguing thing about this is that one of them was not on this trip, right? Did not go on this trip, this camping trip, right?
0: Mm, no, no, both the twins went.
1: Oh, okay, both of them went. Sorry. Yeah. My my bad.
0: <laughs> no, that'd be a good thought though, but no, they were both there. Um in the dream the twins uh were with Chuck Rack and Charlie we uh Charlie Faults um and you know, that was always a theme. They were the everyone, you know, everyone was there that they went on a camping trip with this random camping trip it's like
1: fire in the sky. It's like the case that the film fire in the sky. Is yeah. Based on.
0: I actually have seen that movie. So you finally brought up a movie that I have actually seen that has a really good UFO, uh, abduction. It's a, gr- it's
1: a great movie. Yeah, it really is. It's probably the best alien abduction movie.
0: Yeah, I would say so. I would say that they have the best, uh, abduction sequence, um, yeah, for, that I've seen thus far.
1: The performances too. You know, uh, DB Sweeney, very underrated role in this, uh, Robert Patrick on another underrated performance, a 1000 himself, uh, probably his best acting role.
0: <laughs> Love how you can just rattle off these people's names. Like you have all this knowledge in your head about all these like actors. And I stuff. do.
1: That's why people call me the walking IMDb. <laughs>
0: it's true. You kind of are. Um. So all of these dreams related to some from what they could figure out. I mean, all these guys were friends, obviously, but they weren't like you know seeing each other all the time and everything so it was kind of like one of those like why am i having dreams about these you know specific guys and the only thing they could think about was these dreams must have related to some kind of camping trip that they had taken a while back like 10 years ago or so in the allagash wilderness uh which is in maine um so on the second night that they are out on this camping trip jim noticed a bright object in the sky he said it was just floating in the treetops didn't seem to be moving in any direction he looked at it for about 15 seconds with the binoculars in, and suddenly it just winked out from the outside in and he thought maybe it was a weather balloon or a helicopter that turned its light out but there was something about this object that left him with an odd feeling and they didn't dwell on it they just continued with their camping trip the men continued through the outer allagash wilderness and on the fourth day they figured they'd try some night fishing now, Charlie Fultz is talking about up in the Ollagash Wilderness at this time of year, when it's night out, it, it is black. I mean, it is blacker than black out there. So they built a campfire, and he said it was a good-sized campfire. Not enough to where it would burn the forest, but uh, it, it was borderline. This fire would have lasted four hours, bare minimum. So Chuck Rack, Charlie Fultz, Jim, and Jack Wiener, they get into this canoe, and they start paddling out to uh to in to the middle of the lake as they're paddling chuck racks in the very back uh he felt like they were being watched so he turned and looks over his shoulder and saw this large globe of light in the distance behind them it was the same object they had seen a few nights earlier chuck said hey guys look at that and, and nobody had to ask what or where everyone just seemed to know exactly where to turn and look they were saying it had this roiling effect to it like a mini sun. It lit up the treetops like daylight. After looking at it for several moments, they decided to signal the thing. Charlie Fultz picked up a flashlight and squeezed off a few SOS signals with his flashlight. The response was instant. Chuck had a feeling of pure elation because they were finally going to find out what this thing was. Then the, objects, the object started rushing towards them. At that point, Charlie Fultz's interest was satisfied. He just wanted to get out of there at that point. So he dropped the flashlight and he just started paddling as fast as he could. All he wanted to do was get back onto the shore. But they couldn't escape this thing. It was hot on their tracks. Charlie never looked back, but Jim did. And he thought to himself, we're we're not going to outrun this thing. It's just coming too quickly. The next memory any of the men had was being back on the shore, staring up at this bright object as if they were posing for a portrait. I remember thinking my God, I could bounce a stone off this thing. That's how close it was. Um, Charlie Fultz tried to signal the object again, and at this this point, it seemed like it was uninterested with them, and it slowly drifted across the lake, and then it disappeared and reappeared much higher up in the sky. So, to me, there's a few, there's so many, like, cool things to talk about with this specific part. Um, I mean, the part where it's like, he go, you know chuck rack said hey guys look at that and and how they say in the show everyone didn't have to say where everyone just knew where to look i mean that's weird that's like some kind of a i don't know what you would call that but that to me was like oh that's kind of bizarre and how one guy was had you know a feeling of pure elation that he signaled the thing but the other guy was scared and just started paddling and how this thing was just coming up behind them so fast and and then how Unsolved Mysteries says that the next memory of them had is them being back on shore, posing as if they were standing for a portrait, and they were. Yeah. like They were just all standing there, except for Chuck Rack was the only one in the boat, but he was singing. But yeah, they're all just posing there as if this thing had just placed them there itself, and these men had not gotten so off the thing. It's
1: like, yeah, it's definitely the missing time thing.
0: And if Yeah, definitely missing time going on here, and that's, God, I, I can't believe we haven't covered that segment yet. But think about this. You see this thing up in the sky that's so far away from you, and you can't, and you know, you you can't seem to get its attention. Then you finally get its attention, and it's coming after you. And then the next thought you have is, this thing is right in front of your face. This thing is like right there. It's so close to you, and like like Jim was saying, you could bounce a rock off of this thing. That's how close it was. And yet, there wasn't that same sense of fear or awe or anything. It's like they were, they had been like you know in a trance in a trance or been put in a trance yeah and and like this thing was now it was like right in front of them yet there was no fear there's no anything they were just purely yeah. relaxed and just like whatever and
1: i mean you and i would be terrified oh again. yeah
0: and then so chuck rack says i remember stepping out of the canoe and being very relaxed there was no panic everyone just wanted to go to bed all the men agree that they were out on the lake for less than 20 minutes but yet when they came back, only coals remained with their huge bonfire. So, mm-hmm. bam, missing time right there. The unusual thing is that they didn't stay up for hours discussing this thing like you'd think four young guys would do. I mean, and yeah, that's that's exactly what I thought. It's like, dude, that just happened to me. I'm I'm not sleeping that night. I'm talking about it all night. And they were just very fatigued and they just wanted to go to bed. And so that's what they did. Yeah. And, and then they spent another 10 days in the fucking wilderness. Yeah. That's some white people uh, I, I shit right there. I would right not there.
1: have 10 more days. Like, we're going home now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is this thing going to come back? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to see I don't want it to come back. Like mean, are fired in the sky didn't stay. They left immediately.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that these guys were going out camping for such a long period of time shows that they're kind of like a man's men to begin with because...
1: Yeah, I mean, but there's nothing, there's, uh, there's nothing, pussy about, you know, you saw a fucking UFO and then this missing time and then all this weird shit happened. There's yeah nothing, but see the know, thing about it is is like not manly about you know yeah let's go it's it's let's let's cancel this right i'll come back later
0: well the thing about have- the thing about it is though is like to them since it was missing time it was like all their their the chain of of thought was oh look this look at this thing it's chasing us and then hey we're on the shore oh we're tired let's go to bed there was none yeah. of that other shit in between there was just, like it was that exactly. there was there was memory loss so, so that
1: might have attributed to it they had this memory loss so they're just like oh whatever yeah oh
0: but, okay well there's that carried thing. On,
1: like nothing had ever happened
0: yeah and, and i mean obviously there was some kind of alien mind manipulation be- for the fact that they were just standing there and this thing was much closer and it was almost like they were rape victims like this thing was done with them yeah. so it just kind of drifted away and they were just there, it's like they were drugged or roofied or something. Um, well, think about it. I
1: mean, for if if abduction cases, if there there is, they are real. I mean, there are some that are just like you know, people are crazy, make it up, shit, whatever. But it would be like being raped. It really would. Be. Yeah, absolutely. But
0: no justice.
1: No, absolutely, and no
0: explanation.
1: No. And then you you tell it to somebody and they think you're crazy.
0: Right, God, that would that'd be awful.
1: At least with an actual rape, there could maybe be justice, and
0: you can actually tell it to people and they believe you. And they did. They tried to tell friends and family about the uh, UFO that they saw, but no one really believed them. The men the men could barely believe it themselves. Finally, Jim contacted Ray Fowler, who I believe is also, I want to say he was involved in the missing He's a UFO researcher. Yeah. Fowler suggested the men go under hypnosis with a trained hypnotist. Uh, From the beginning, Ray had suspected the men had been abducted by a UFO, but did not tell them that. Now, if you're a skeptic... I guess it's at this point that you could make the assertion that this is a psychologist who had expectations and that's the a number one rule that you try to avoid as yeah. a mental uh, specialist. But he
1: wasn't the guy who did it though. I think he recommended them to go to a different hypnotherapist. Right. So he wasn't the one that did the hypnotherapy.
0: But, but he, he was kind of the guy who helped form the opinions and the kind of the kind of guided them and,
1: well yeah possible but he said but he he, but like you said he said he did not i I don't know if he said they were abducted he just said he didn't tell him he didn't tell him him that you should go in and go with the hypnosis to recover the details of the sighting not of the abduction
0: yeah i'm just look i believe it happened but i'm just playing devil's advocate here because well I... i
1: can understand i mean i i i I could understand devil's advocate as well. I mean, I'm kind of like, you know, hypnosis or whatever. But with me, it's like, it's kind of silly to me to suggest that hypnosis would be like, you are getting sleepy and sleepier. Uh, Aliens. You want to talk about you're being abducted by aliens, sleepier and sleepier. I, I don't. I don't buy the idea of these hypnotists putting in subliminal messaging into these people's heads while they're under hypnosis. Also, like with hypnosis, it's like, well, if they weren't abducted by aliens, why would they have any memories of anything like this? You put them under, and they'd be like, "Tell us about your the the what's going on." And all they do is they they kind of do lead. I have to admit, some hypnotists they do kind of lead with questions, but why would somebody in that state? actually answer it like these like these men have that's the thing why would they answer it like that
0: and you're gonna hear the clip folks don't you worry you're gonna hear the clip and you can judge for yourselves um the four men went under hypnotic they went under hypnosis and they promised not to tell each other what the other had said during the sessions the four men, Jim Weiner, Chuck Rack, Charlie Fultz, and Jack Weiner, described what has come to be known as a classic abduction experience. All four say that they were taken aboard a craft. The aliens forced them to strip naked and seem to be performing medical examinations. And um, they show uh, paintings, these, these, these
1: sketches. These, these men
0: really were all freaky sketches. Yeah, these men were all incredibly talented artists. Yeah. It's a shame that this is an audio only thing because the paintings that they did were just phenomenal. The, they
1: added so much.
0: They they did. They added so much to the uh, commentary of the well, along with the scary music. But that's man, what
1: scared me the most when I saw it when I was a kid was the sketches with the uh, hypnosis uh, tapes.
0: It conveyed the point so well of what they went through. Pair- and I'm I'm gonna give Unsolved Mystery some of this credit too because paired pairing the music. With the, with the uh, audio commentary of the hypnosis, well, not commentary, but the audio of the hypnosis session going over the top. And then the visual yeah. of the paintings all together conveyed the feelings and the fear uh, of what they were going through just so exactly. well.
1: It did. It, it, it was like you were there and you were able to experience what they were experiencing. And in a more effective way than if they did a reenactment because they didn't have the budget. So they didn't reenact, but it could be come across as silly instead of actually being genuinely unnerving and scary. And, you know, that's exactly what it was for these men. And so the segment just did a phenomenal job recreating that.
0: And so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, me and Mike are going to sit back and we're going to play for you the uh, excerpts from the hypnosis sessions that happened to these four men and what they had to say. And again, I wish you could see the drawings that go along that they play in the show while this is going on. But I think with the music and the uh, audio, it's creepy enough. So here it goes. Yeah, wouldn't it have been nice if I could have played you that audio clip? Well, folks, as of November 10th, 2016, when I'm recording this now, uh, we had to fight the copyright stuff with Cosgrove and Moyers lawyers so uh yeah sorry man i can't play the clip it was in the original one but it's not gonna be in this one uh and man it was creepy um the guys basically just talk about how the how their experience inside the ufo and the things that the aliens were doing to them but they describe it in such graphic detail um, as far as the devices the aliens are using on them, they're taking blood samples and other samples they are scraping the skin. They can see the pain on the other person's face, but there's nothing they can do because they're under some kind of mind control. All that was in the clip. Um, Again, it's a bummer that you can't hear it, but for this podcast to even exist right now, some sacrifices had to be made, and this was one of those sacrifices, so I apologize. You guys know I, I would play it if I could, but I cannot, so enjoy the rest of the episode, and here is me and Mike's reaction to that audio clip that was originally played. Ugh. Ugh. Uh. Uh oh god no oh my god if that doesn't make your blood curdle i don't know what what will make your
1: hands your hair the hair on your arms stand up straight Uh, yeah i don't know what
0: Oh, man. And, and like, the pi- I can't stress those pictures enough that they show. They illustrated, like, the, the device that sucks or whatever. It looked like this creature with this long needle-like yeah. snout. And, like, they put it right on the on the guy's chest, and it's, like, sucking out his fluids. And they show just the, the illustrations they did of these aliens. And, you know, they zoom in right to the alien's eyes where it says, don't be afraid. Yeah, We yeah. won't harm you. And I'm, like, fuck that shit i'm afraid (laughs) yeah i'm very afraid and they know that we're lower life forms, so they can just they can just command us to you know that we don't have any ability to fight their mind control so after the hypnosis session ray brought the allagash four together and they realized that they all recalled the same horrific series of events one person would pause to take a breath. And then the next person would pick up right where the, the other person left off. They knew exactly what they were going to say. It was amazing to come to the realization that all of this was true. And uh, it was also nice to know that I wasn't going insane, quoted Jim Weiner." Ultimately, each of the Alagash four took polygraphs and passed easily. And now, here we have the
1: skeptics. <laughs>
0: And, of course, we have to have skeptics for any good Unsolved Mysteries UFO segment because they try Uh, to be fair and balanced. and give
1: Clinical psychologist Dr. William Cohn, he suggested the images from popular culture or horror movies may have triggered inspiration for memories of alien abduction. I always call bullshit on this particular theory because there was nothing that looked remotely like the Greys or any any of the kind of uh, uh, instruments... Or envir- stuff that they used. There was nothing like that. I'm sorry. Invaders from Mars from 1950, whatever. Th- that looks nothing like the gray. Those,
0: those look like some of the lamest aliens I've ever seen uh, yeah. th- that they showed. Those those looked like Swamp Thing more than they looked like a gray. Yeah, like
1: you're trying to make me think that that's what it's triggered inspiration and for memories of alien abduction. I just. I call that bullshit. First off. I don't think anyone wants to have memories of alien abduction. I don't want to have memories of alien abduction. Sometimes you want to have memories of alien abduction.
0: Sometimes I don't want to have memories of this show at night when I get scared, let alone a real occurrence. Think about this
1: segment especially.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And and the thing is, is like you don't truly start to see movies with depictions of greys in them until after Roswell happened.
1: Really, not until like 1989 with the movie Communion.
0: Right, or, so well, know, well, this, my point this, was this, is before, like before the Roswell incident happened, you didn't see any kind of anything that came near what a gray looked like because there was no reference point.
1: Well, even, even afterwards, you didn't really see grays in terms of what the aliens look like in a lot of these uh, movies, you know, uh, 50s sci-fi movies. You got the This Island Earth aliens that are going to be Big giant heads looking like something from Mars Attacks. Um, so that I just, I that I always like, whenever I hear that theory, I'm just like, oh, bullshit, my dick.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, But it, they, this is what he says. This movement is media driven. It's cyclical. People hear about good cases on TV. They think they have had the same thing happen. It sort of feeds upon itself. First off, this happened in 1976. I don't think there was a show that was talking about alien abductions at the time. Right. I don't know if "In Search of" with uh, Leonard Nimoy had one that mentioned alien abduction. I don't know. I don't know if there were books around the time. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I just there's not that much money involved with alien abduction stories. It's not like it's a million dollar enterprise where you're going to get like millions of dollars if you come out and say I was abducted by aliens.
0: Well, I mean, it's like with something like Guardian with the uh, Canadian UFO, it's kind of like yeah, that, yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's kind of more iffy because you have uh, you have exactly. someone who's appearing on multiple TV shows telling their story and this that and the other For w- in the tape, you know, their quote unquote evidence is sketchy at best. But in this case, will you have, like, people who have no interest in any of that? They were just going on a camping trip, and then this thing happens, and they all (laughs) recall the same thing, and they are, in every other way, upstanding citizens? It's like, yeah, there's something more to this one.
1: And then here's more of the skeptics. So, like, usually these are people who have no interest in the abductions and have not read about it or are familiar with the beings and are shocked by the sound when they – this isn't really a skeptic here. They're shocked and they're astounded when they hear someone else had these experiences as well or that there's material in the media about it. The investigators have a very clear agenda about what they're looking for, and this is still skeptics. So. so if you get somebody that's doing UFO abduction research, this is a person that has already decided that UFO abductions are real and that thousands of people are having them. having them. They have a symptom list, and if you come in the door with those symptoms, then you must have been abducted. It's the same psychiatrist guy. It doesn't really work like that. The person comes to me because they've heard that I'm open to being listen- that I'm open to being listening to something other than therapists or um, other mental health professionals have not been able to listen to. this is the actual psychiatrist who did the hypno- hypnosis, Dr. Mac. This is not a club that anyone wants to belong to. And I always love that line. It's not a club that anyone wants to belong to, and I definitely feel that way.
0: Yeah, and they say that about the missing time segment, too. You know, it's like, that. you know, they have, a, you know, this groups of people who have experienced this missing time phenomenon, which, in short, it's when something that only should have taken a short amount of time, uh, you know, you look at the clock and three hours have passed. And it's like, where did and all I know, this yeah, time exactly go? exactly.
1: Where did all the time go? And then I, I know people say things, oh, when they think of able abductions, they think of the cliche you know or anal probe you know they'll probe you up the ass or high, you know it's all like just laughable but probably to these people like you know one of the uh, charlie folds himself who said this happened if you believe it that's all right if you don't believe it i don't care
0: right because and he was talking about how you know charlie was saying how you know if you told someone 40 years ago that you could watch a meteorite crash into a planet uh, from some satellite image beaming to uh to the earth you know that called it and we're going to call it a television that's a reality check but back then it'd be science fiction you know so basically he's talking about how you know Though it might sound crazy and unbelievable now, in the future it, it could very well become a very uh, credible. Well, yeah,
1: I mean the thing I don't get is that a lot of people are more willing to believe that UFOs are real, that some of these UFO sightings are legitimate. But when it comes to alien abduction, it's like no, that's that's go, that's that's just total sci-fi. That's sci-fi. a bridge too far. It's, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, well, if these alien beings are visiting Earth. I mean, it would kind of make sense that they would uh, want to investigate uh, not only just the settings and the environment, but it's the people who live on it. You know, the, the which is the intelligent beings like them, like themselves.
0: Right, and and you know. If if it made its way into unsolved mysteries, there's a few things you can be sure of. You know, they've already done some vetting with these people. They're not, they weren't drunk, they weren't high, it, they weren't mis- mistaking this from for any other kind of explainable explainable phenomena. It's like no, this this they've kind of ruled out anything else that this could be. Then you tie in yeah. the dreams and the hypnosis and the the you know common stories from all four guys and you that's know, the
1: thing too. The common stories, they're identical. This would have had to have been some really, really well thought out, really well planned scheme.
0: Right. And, you know, again, I got to bring up the nightmares. These are unpleasant things that are happening to them as a result of something in the past. This is they did. Not, yeah. They do not want to have these nightmares. These nightmares are unpleasant to them. It interrupts their sleep. They're suffering from this. this is, it's not like they're like, oh, yeah, it happened. And, you know, it, fucking whoop-de-doo my life is awesome and we're like selling a bunch of books about it and shit it's like no this is disturbing and i'm having nightmares i thought i was going crazy i mean have you ever woken up from a nightmare and felt like wow that was a nice experience i mean no they're fucking terrible they're awful having nightmares that's why they call them nightmares (laughs) especially if it's something that you feel like is based in fact and something actually happened good god that's it's horrible so uh, rock. And I read
1: something. There was this like a guy who was trying to say something online, who was a skeptic about it. It's he mentioned something about the park ranger said it's like uh, that what they saw was searchlights, and I'm like, I don't know if I buy that source because I'm pretty sure Unsolved Mysteries would have probably tried to contact somebody. Yeah, you know, for that kind of information if that was the case. But even if it was that, that they didn't explain it away. That's what always happens with UFO sightings. Oh, it was like that one where the military's like, No, you didn't see UFOs, it was like uh uh flares that we dropped out sky or whatever. Lantern whatever things. Right? Yeah. Remember that segment? Yeah. It wasn't a UFO. And then there's actually people who know what those are. It's like, no, there's, like, a guy who actually is a pilot who's like, I've seen those
0: things. Oh, yeah, you're talking about the Phoenix, the Phoenix UFO. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: He's like, that's not what
0: that is. Right. Yeah, the flares. Yeah, they showed, yeah... (laughs) Yeah, lame excuse for, uh, you know, for... Now, see, as a kid, I loved those lame excuses because I was like, okay, aliens really don't exist. It was just flares. It was just flares. You know, I, I didn't <laughs> want to take comfort in that because that shit scared me as a kid, but now I'm it's like...
1: just searchlights. It's just searchlights.
0: Yeah, yeah like, now now I'm all David Duchovny on this shit. I'm like, I want to believe, you know? <laughs> like Truth is out there. Right. So, um, you know, uh, Stack caps the episode off with uh by saying, uh, talking about... Greek philosopher Aristotle described the world as round and skeptics dismissed it as fantasy. When Copernicus said the sun, not the earth, was the center of the universe, many considered it heresy. When Jules Verne wrote that someday a human being will travel to the moon, scientists wrote it off as pure science fiction. Perhaps the day will come when the beliefs about UFOs and alien encounters will have the same transformation um and then they show the some scientist guy and he's like you know we all share the same dream you know that we are not alone in the universe scientists and these people who you know uh whether they're uh, out front and in public about doing ufo research or if they're doing it secretly you know sending probes all over the space and trying to find signs of life out there you know they're all trying we're all trying we all share that same dream that we're not alone um And then Stack ends the episode by saying, It is either the greatest hoax in human history, an unprecedented mass hallucination, or perhaps the single most important event since the dawn of civilization. For the hardened skeptic, proof will remain elusive until an alien spacecraft is placed on public display or an extraterrestrial can be seen on the nightly news. Until then, one of the greatest mysteries of our age will remain unsolved.
1: Ooh, that's perfect.
0: Oh, it's fucking great i love that segment i'm so glad we got to talk about that i hope you guys enjoyed that one
1: it is a, a very very great segment really good segment
0: oh. so i think that's that sums up our uh our episode for tonight we're i think we're clocking in at two hours although i said that last week but after some editing it wasn't two hours so i'm not going to say that anymore even though i just said it whatever fuck <laughs> you um yeah, again, you can uh, like our page, uh, f- uh, facebook.com slash uncovering unsolved mysteries. Um, there's links to our YouTube channels all over the place. Mike's is easy to find because he has his own URL. Fancy pants is a fa- uh, youtube.com slash OCP communications. Uh, we already me, said that in the opening. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm plugging. I'm plugging like a motherfucker. What, <laughs> what can I say? Um, I want to thank the people in Australia who are listening to this uh, for being such a small... Uh, smallish country we, we sure do get a lot of people from australia who seem to be into the show so that's cool um oh you know what would be a great and anybody who's listening in australia and i know there's a few of you who, who really pay more close attention to this podcast uh there is a ufo uh segment involving um this pilot uh, it was actually the most uh i think it was the most documented unsolved uh case in uh australian aviation history this guy um took his uh plane out and he was reporting and we actually should cover this one. Uh I forget his name. Um he was talking over the C B uh or whatever you call it to air traffic control and he was talking about how there's an object around him and, you know, if there's any reported uh traffic in the sky and the guy was saying, No, there shouldn't be anything out there and he's like, Well, uh there's a saying and it's surrounding me and it's, you know, descending and ascending at an alarming rate and it's it's not an aircraft and that was his last words was it's not an aircraft and neither his plane nor his body has ever been found yeah wow yeah yeah, that's a spooky one that's one that we should talk is that even on the
1: box set yeah yep it was
0: called australian ufo
1: okay all right
0: yeah so that's on there so yeah um i guess that's all i have to say mike do you have any say say something
1: not really i don't have much <laughs> else to say except thanks for for listening and um yeah try not to have nightmares tonight
0: yeah sorry sorry we we scared you so good well if if we did our job hopefully we did i don't know i just find this shit interesting to talk about and obviously some other people. i don't know who do
1: cannot too. be unsettled by that allagash abduction audio i fire. know
0: right